We are going through the Bible from 30,000 feet this year, and we are already Second Samuel, and our purpose is to give us an overview so that we see how the Bible all does fit together. It's not just a, a section of books here and, and a book here, and how does it all uh, tie together. And um, as then we... We look at it in our Wednesday studies, uh, go in a little deeper, but it's still really kind of a flyover. But it has been a blessing already to, to see God call attention to certain things. The book of Second Samuel, really, um, it, it tells the story of one person, David doesn't tell his complete story. We saw some last week from 1 Samuel um, referencing David. But really, the book of 2 Samuel could almost be called the Acts of King David. And um, David is a very, very important character in the Bible, in God's plan and purpose. And in this, we saw through 1 Samuel last week, in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14, that when, when God rejected Saul as king because of his disobedience, that he said, the Lord sought for a man after his own heart. It was direct reference to David. Paul, in preaching in the synagogue at Antioch in Acts 13, he said, when Saul was removed, that God raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, when you think of a man after God's heart, and then you read through the book of 2 Samuel, you think, how do these two things compute? I mean, David committed, we we sometimes refer to the sin of David with Bathsheba. That was just one of many sins of David. And um, horrific sins, killing individuals and covering it up and so on. And so you think, this is David, the great man of faith, the great conqueror, David and Goliath, and and you read about him as king, and then you read these other things, and you read about the dysfunction in his family, and you think, how can this, how can all these compute? And honestly... If you haven't thought that, I've thought that very, very much in my life. And, and yet, this is what God says. Things such as, well, this refers to his public life, and you separate his public and private life, and I think, wait a minute, is, is that really in line? And others say, well, this is in contrast to Saul because Saul was rejected as king. He did not do the will of God. David did the will of God, and and yet um, he had these 
failings, and and some have said that that the life of David is a life that is often conveyed by our lives, and um, we see many resemblances in it. But if you look at David's life, you can't look at his life without looking at his heart that is revealed through many of the Psalms. David wrote um, nearly half of the Psalms. And when you look at those psalms, you begin to find and see David's heart. And a psalm is written, really, in 2 Samuel 22. It reads very much like a psalm. I'll begin reading in verse 2. David is speaking of 2 Samuel 22 and verse 2. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me, in my distress I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him and dark waters and thick clouds of skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness According to the cleanliness of my hands, he has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my, from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness 
according to my cleanliness in his eyes. He goes on. We're not going to read the remainder of the psalm that goes through the rest of of the chapter. But you notice in reading this, you notice, you begin to see the heart of David in this. And it says, David was a man with a heart after God. It helped me understand it in in this sense. Um, and and I'll use I'll use a, an athletic illustration. When you think of a when you think of a linebacker that plays with determination, a linebacker's job in football is wherever the ball is to go and and like a human rocket. When you think of a, a linebacker. I'm just curious. Who do you think of? What comes to your mind? A name. Anybody? Pardon? Yeah, okay. That was the first one. Dick Butkus. I knew there were old timers in here, all right? That, and he was the first one that came to mind. Were there any others that came to mind? I'm not even a Chicago Bears fan, but who's Clay, say? What? <laughs> Mike Singletary, we're getting stuck on these Green Bay Packers, right? How about, what? Vaughn Miller, Chad Greenway, you know. You get a picture in your mind if you follow. There is a sense of focused on this. They're there watching. They observe to fake handoff. The ball's going this way. And their job is regardless to get to that guy and they have a heart that is after that ball. David had a heart that was after God. There are times that a linebacker may get knocked on his keister, and yet in the same play will get up and get involved in the play because he was focused on that. He was determined on that. David, in his life, got knocked down many times, but he had a heart that was after God. And he would rise up, and we'll, we'll touch on this in, in just a little bit, but a man or a woman with a heart after God desires God preeminently. That the one thing we sang, I'd rather have Jesus than anything else, than silver or gold and man's applause. That's a person that desires God. That's a person that realizes the things of this earth are temporary and only God is eternal and only God can satisfy. And and it's a person that has been awakened and brought to God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God has worked in us to make us realize we are sinners, we are separate from God, and we live our life fulfilling our own desires, and we realize none of this can deal with my sin problem. And we find the gospel. God 
reveals to us the gospel and we realize I am a sinner, I am separated from God, and yet only God can satisfy. I was made, you were made for fellowship with God. And you realize that is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. And I trust there has been a time that you personally called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you today have a heart after God. A heart after God is one that desires God more than anything else. Turn to Psalm 63, and and I want to show and illustrate from David's life. Psalm 63. A psalm of David. Notice what it says. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So have I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better to me than life. My lips shall praise you. It goes on, but that whole psalm is a psalm of a heart that desires God. Your loving kindness is better to me than life. I'm, I'm thirsty for you. I'm, I'm living in a dry and barren land. Nothing here can quench my thirst. <clears throat> I am thirsty for God. That's a heart that seeks after God. Psalm 34, turn, turn to that. Another Psalm of David. And if, if you want a, an interesting study just to go read the Psalms of David to learn his heart, Notice the Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Notice verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. He goes on, it's a heart that desires God. A heart that desires God enjoys spending time alone with him. A heart that desires God is desirous of a personal, intimate relationship with God. It's a personal thing. We were made to fellowship with God. A heart that desires God always wants more of Him. This isn't just enough. A heart that desires God pursues God alone for purpose and fulfillment in this life. David didn't desire God's blessings. He desired God. There's a major difference. Many times we desire the blessings of God, but we don't desire the person of God. And there is a major difference. David said, 
in Psalm 119, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Notice this next phrase. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. This is David's heart. And, and you go through the Psalms and you will find that he desired a close personal relationship with God. So a person with a heart after God has an overwhelming desire for God, not just for salvation. Paul said that I may know you and the fellowship of your suffering and the joy of your resurrection. He had that longing desire to know God. Secondly, we want to see a man after God's own heart not only desires God, but David was concerned about God's name. You remember the account of David and Goliath. David shows up. You're familiar with the account. And Goliath comes out and he's mocking the children of Israel and the God of the children of Israel. And David said, there is no one that's going to go to battle for him. And I love this phrase. He says, is there not a cause? And his cause was, this giant is mocking our God. This giant is mocking the one and only true God. David was not concerned as a priority what the results, what he would get if he won the battle. What motivated David in this was God's name. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. And you're familiar with the psalm, and we're not going to spend much time there. But it says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. David was all concerned about God's name. That was his heart. And, and it wasn't about David's name, and it wasn't about his own. David respected the authorities that God had raised up because he knew they were representative. David had a desire to build God's house because he said, Here I am dwelling in a nice house, but the ark and God has no place to dwell, and he said, we need to remedy that. He was concerned about the things of God. But now we get to the part of David's life. You're familiar with his sins, whether it be adultery, whether it be avoiding responsibility as a father, as a husband, whether it be murder, whether it be lying, whether it be numbering the people in a, in a spirit of pride to see what was there. There were many times David was going after God and he got blindsided or he got knocked down or he just stepped into it himself. 
But evidence that David had a heart after God was that David was diligent to repent of sin. David's life is a life of, and in the book it mentions, it's a life of triumphs, transgressions, and trouble. But if you look at David's life, he learned to be a good repenter. Turn to Psalm 51. Very, very familiar psalm. It's a psalm of David after Nathan confronted him. And and by nature, we as human beings struggle with repenting, struggle with taking personal ownership, struggle with saying, I have sinned, And then, not blaming anybody else, I have sinned, and then we turn, that's repentance, we turn and go another way. True repentance is a rare thing to find. It is more than admitting we've sinned. People can admit they've sinned and just not change anything and go on. But Psalm 51 is the epitome of genuine repentance. We're not going to read the whole psalm, but notice, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Notice this, verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He goes on and says, I was brought forth in iniquity. But he goes on and he pleads for the forgiveness of God. And he said, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit unto me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach transgressors the way. This is, this is a, a psalm of genuine repentance that David, yes, David sinned. He was a human being like us, but David, when he sinned and was confronted with it by the Spirit of God or the Spirit of God sending Nathan the prophet, or Psalm 32 is, a, is another a psalm that deals with this. There were times it says his bones waxed old within him because of the burden of sin, and he came to a point where he turned from his sin, confessed it, owned it as his own, and he came to know the forgiveness of God. Turn to Psalm 32. This is a psalm of David, and a, a psalm of one that evidences 
He's a good repenter. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Here's the verse I was mentioning earlier. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavily heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The Bible does not hide anything about David's life. The good points, the bad points. But David had a heart after God that when he was knocked down, maybe by his own choosing, he's drawn away of his own lust. But he gets up and he continues to pursue God by repenting. I was going the wrong way. This is not the way of God. He turns from it. He acknowledges it. He appeals to God for forgiveness. And he was able to say then, the joy of forgiveness. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. There is great joy in the forgiveness of God. But it comes when we repent and turn from our way and submit to God's. David fell and fell hard. But he would get up and repent so that he was able to say, we read in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 24, I was also blameless before him. That word blameless doesn't mean he never sinned. That word blameless means that when it was pointed out to him that he had done sin, he made it right. He sought forgiveness so that he could have a clear conscience before God. And so, because he was a good repenter, because he recognized sin for what it is and was convicted by it, And he came to see sin the way God does, and he turned from it. He was a man after God's own heart. When you get knocked down by your own sin, get up, repent, and learn from it. It, It's going to happen in your life, and, and it may... You know, we tend to classify these are big sins. Well, every sin is a big sin. And we need to ask ourselves when we get knocked down, what led to this? How did I get to this point? What do I need to change? What is God teaching me through this? David was a man after God's own heart because he repented of sin. And fourthly, David accepted God's dealings without bitterness. You read 2 Samuel and there are great consequences in David's life because of his sin. God said the sword would not depart from him. 
God said his own family would be troubled, and God said the child of Bathsheba would die. And all of those, the child died. You read the rest of of 2 Samuel and, and David's life, his family was a mess. And the consequences of it, but David never complained that God was harsh to him. He didn't grow bitter and say, if that's the kind of God you are, God forgives sin, but there are consequences that we have to live with. And David understood God's heart and understood forgiveness and could have a clear conscience before God. And he also understood that a lot of this mess is my own doing, and he accepted the consequences without getting bitter at God. Psalm 119, David said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. There are many people that want God to wipe away all the consequences, and when he doesn't, They get bitter at God, and it shows they don't know God. They don't know the heart of God. David knew the heart of God, and he accepted the consequences of his sin without complaint or bitterness. He he kept after God. He was focused on that. And did he get distracted? You know, a, a coon hound that that chases after a rabbit that comes across its path. You try to break it of that. If you don't break it of it, you put it up on Craigslist for sale, right? Or something like that. You want a coon hound that is focused on what it's after. God wants people that are focused on him, a heart after God. What are some lessons we can learn? Number one, the pursuit of God should be our number one priority. It's not something we add on. It's not something we do for a little bit in the morning and then go live our life. The pursuit of God should be our number one priority. And secondly, it will be a constant battle. Because there are many things to distract us. And most of them come from our own heart. There are many things around us to distract us. And the pursuit of God, sometimes our own worst enemy is success. We've been depending on God and he gives some success and so we think, I can handle this. No, we have to keep pursuing God and it's a constant battle and David's life bears that out. Just when you think, wow, he's learned his lesson and and now it's smoother sailing, then here we go again. We must learn to be good repenters. I don't even know if that's a word, but in our parenting class, it talked about we need to teach our kids to be good repenters. And I, it, it really struck a chord with me. Why? Because you're not going to live a life without sin. And when we sin, we need to learn to make it right. We need to submit to God's dealings in our life. There are things that come into our life 
and God intended to use them for our good and his glory, and we need to submit to them and not grow bitter at God. David had a love for God. You read, we we just skipped the rock across some of the Psalms here today, but David, his heart was genuinely in love with God. And then one thing we need to learn is you may get knocked down, but don't quit. You know, especially in, in high school football games, you can see this. If a, if a team gets getting knocked down enough, you can almost see when they've quit. And they're just going through the motions. And there's a lot of Christians that have quit seeking after God. They're waiting for, for the Lord to come, but they're really not pursuing God. They don't have a heart that seeks after God. Jesus Christ, we, we sang it this morning, Jesus Christ said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's like, that's my focus and, and this is where I need to seek him. And this is how I need to. Will there be disappointments? Absolutely. Will there be times that it seems like, and, and your own heart may say to you, it's like God failed me. But you have to say, wait a minute, that isn't the God I know. It may feel that way here, but that isn't the God of the Bible. And that's where we need to say, you know what, God, I don't even see you, but I'm going to pursue you. And I am not going to quit in this because that's all that life is made up of, is seek first the kingdom of God. So I ask today, what is it that you're seeking after? What would you really say your heart is after? A.W. Tozer in his great book, The Pursuit of God, said, Come near to holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out of season. And when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long-seeking. He said, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. David had many failings, but David had a heart that sought after God. What would God say about your heart today? Heavenly Father, I pray that you truly would, through the authority of your word, penetrate our hearts today. Lord, I pray for individuals that are here that maybe have never responded to your calling to them to the forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray today before they'd leave that they'd mention that to one of us and we could show them and help them receive the gift of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then, Lord, I pray for believers here today that we become distracted and chasing after other things. And maybe not on purpose. Maybe we haven't said, I'm, I'm done pursuing God. But, 
is slowly our hearts been drawn away of our own desires. And Lord, I pray that there would be genuine repentance today. That we would turn back to you. Lord, I I pray that we would have an unwavering, relentless hunger and thirst for you. As Psalm 63 from David's heart conveyed. And Lord, I pray that we would know that in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I am a believer. I know Christ as my personal Savior But God's Spirit is challenging me today about having a heart that seeks after God. I wish you would remember me in prayer. Would you just slip up your hands that we could remember you in prayer? Amen. Amen. A number of hands. You say, I wish you'd remember me in prayer. You're here today and you'd say, you know what, I... I don't really know for sure if I have a relationship with God. I would urge you in just a moment when we dismiss to meet with us and just mention it, and we'd be happy to show you from the Bible how you can know you have everlasting life. Lord, I thank you for these that your spirit has challenged today. Would you, and I know you will, Lord, encourage them You promise that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And Lord, I just rejoice that we, despite all our failings and fallings, that we can have a heart that seeks after you. That we can have a heart after God. And Lord, I pray there may be some that have been knocked down pretty hard. Lord, may by your grace they get up today. There's some that may be thinking, man, I, I don't know what's going to be involved in this repentance. Lord, my, by your grace and power, may they turn from their own way and turn to you. Lord, some may have to put off some things and put on some other things and rearrange some priorities, may they know the joy of obedience to you. We look forward to what you will do. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and